on the Move, a real estate and mortgage podcast featuring Paul St. Andrew, Justin Sheeler, Joel Benson, and Greg Rios. Paul and Justin are licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Results. And Joel and Greg are mortgage consultants with Truestone Home Mortgage, a division of Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union. And now, Twin Cities on the Move. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number four of Twin Cities on the Move. We are two real estate agents and two mortgage guys on an internationally heard podcast from the Twin Cities. Coming to us from True Stone Mortgage is Joel Benson, Greg Rios. My name is Paul St. Andrew and Justin Sheeler. You guys, why don't we all say hi? I'm, I'm Paul St. Andrew. I'm with Remax Results. And I'm Justin Sheeler with Remax Results. I'm Joel Benson, True Stone Home Mortgage. We're a division of True Stone Financial Federal Credit Union. We're an equal housing lender. My NMLS number is 1064642. And Greg Rios with True Stone Home Mortgage. NMLS is 1505482. Thanks, fellas. All right, today we have a few topics we'd like to discuss. Uh, two mortgage types to, to start things off, FHA versus conventional mortgage. And then we're going to move on to kind of picking apart what the value Justin and I kind of bring to the real estate world, not just us, but every real estate agent. It's a busy, chaotic market, and hopefully we can break down where we come into play. And then also, if you have, or lastly, I should say, if you um, don't have the best credit in the world, there's a lot of things that can be done to get you on your way to having a little bit better credit and get you into the housing market so you can become a homeowner. So let's get going right away, fellas. FHA mortgages versus conventional. I know I have talked to a lot of clients, especially first-time home buyers. Um, and just people that aren't in our industry that some of them don't even know that there are different types of home loans when you go to shop for a mortgage. Um, let's start with FHA. What is an FHA loan? Well, first of all, the difference to, to most people, the difference is, is simply good credit versus bad credit, but that isn't the case. So we're going to dispel some of those myths here today. Um, an FHA loan, Federal Housing Administration, essentially backs mortgage loans with default insurance. So what it says is that with a little bit looser underwriting guideline, the loan will be backed and insured so there's less risk to the lender. So we'll sometimes be able to make a loan um, that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise if we were looking at just straight conventional guidelines. Um, we're able to, to actually offer financing through the FHA product that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. And to give you just kind of an overview of, of, of what an FHA loan really is. And the, and the reason I mentioned earlier, you know, good credit versus bad credit, because that's sort of the connotation. Most people think FHA financing, you must have terrible credit. Or, yeah. You know, it's a misconception for yep, sure. And, and, and that is it. Is It's a misconception. Now, the guidelines are a little bit more liberal. So first of all, down payments are typically going to be a bit, little bit lower. Uh, FHA loans require a 3.5% down payment, where conventional does have some 3% programs, but the majority are going to be 5% and up. Um, the debt-to-income ratio is going to be a little lower. So it isn't always just bad credit. Let's just – let's say that, you know, your debt-to-income ratio, which is, is literally a ratio of your, your outstanding debts versus the monthly income that you're bringing in. Conventional loans used to always be, you know, 41 or 43, and then it became 45, and now all the way up to 50 percent. Um, that was conventional. So FHA will allow actually – there's no hard and fast rule, but typically higher debt-to-income ratios. I've seen them as high as 55 56%, where those are the types of ratios that you'll never get approved on a, on a conventional loan. So, like I say, it's not always, you know, negative credit. You know, granted, you can get a FHA loan with 
a bankruptcy, for example, after two years versus four years conventional. So there is some there is some merit to, hey, if you've got some issues, some bumps in the road in the past, you can qualify for financing on an FHA loan before you can conventional. You mentioned first-time home buyers. That's that's the FHA market is full of home, you know, first-time home buyers because they're people who you know, maybe they're just out of college, so they haven't established a lot of credit, or they don't have, you know, a whole bunch of money to put down. Um, they need some seller-paid closing costs, things like that. So it isn't always just bad credit. There's a lot of different things. It's really just more liberal guidelines. So we can get people financed that might not otherwise qualify for financing. It's funny, though. I, I feel like recently um, the driver in which program is selected is is really pushed by the realtor. Um you know, just because the market's so competitive right now, um, you know, it's your guys' job to put them in the best position. And it just seems right now that conventional does that um, versus FHA. So I kind of wanted you guys to talk about that to kind of, you know, share your side of that and, you know, how you kind of decide, you know, because I'm sure they ask you. Yeah, your sellers will ask you that. And and the perception, um, which may be correct or incorrect, it depends it on. Might the, it might be incorrect. It, it, sometimes. Yeah, it does. It depends. <laughs> it really depends down to the specific buyer and how mm-hmm. they handle their money and how because there there's some wonderful buyers that just go FHA, but they they manage their money just fine and they will and they're they're going to perform and go close. But the overall perception is that a conventional mortgage will hold a little bit more weight. If you're weighing one offer that's an FHA buyer that's putting three and a half percent down. And then you, on the other hand, have another one that's a conventional buyer that even just with just 5%, right. you've still a little more skin in the game. A little more yeah. a little more skin in the game. And you think that person has a better chance of performing. And when you're all walking down the road to close hand in hand, you know, to three weeks in and you find out that the buyer doesn't perform, it's, it's disappointing for everybody. I'm sure Justin does this all the time too, is that you, you want to talk to every lender that comes with an offer, whether it's an FHA loan or a conventional loan, just to have a conversation to, you know, number one, make sure that they have all their ducks in a row as far as their client goes, and also to just make sure that the lender seems like somebody that's not going to go off the deep end with you, you know? It's and, huge. When, yeah, when a, when a loan officer calls you up and says, yeah, hey, we're going FHA, but this is why. And sometimes they can't mm-hmm. tell you certain things, but uh, the more they can share with you to put you at ease, and then you can share that with mm-hmm. your sellers, educate your sellers. I think a lot of agents need to be educated on this. Absolutely. Myself included, yeah, because, you know, you think conventional is the best. Conventional is the best. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the best. So, you know, sure. I've, I've mentioned this before, but that that call to the, the listing agent is one that I make on every transaction. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and it really becomes information, education. And, and, and really, when I talk to, a, you know, the listing agent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, again, being careful to, to not divulge things that are private, just say, hey, look, this is why this deal has strength. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I also want to point out is that there's there's certainly things about conventional financing that are better than FHA, but there's also things that are better about FHA financing. From, from an underwriting standpoint, because it's going to be a little bit more liberal, the process sometimes can be just a little bit more smooth and efficient if things are done properly up front. And what I talk about there, and this is where that conversation with the listing agent is important, finding out there's an issue on a file a week before close should never happen, right? So mm-hmm. if you're doing all the due diligence up front, you're asking all the right questions and you're sort of uncovering potential obstacles and rather than sort of ignoring those obstacles, which is what a lot of lenders will do, they just sort of, and people in general, I guess, they tend to this sort of ignore things that are going to be challenging because they don't want, it, it's it's difficult, right? But mm-hmm. the reality is if you, if you sort of 
attack those things head on and eliminate them early in the process, everything goes easier on the back end. Last year, I feel like I was able to qualify more people for conventional. I could eyeball a conventional loan and maybe not even have to run DU because I was so confident in the file that I was like, I'll just run DU later. We're good. DU is desktop underwriter. It's an automated underwriting system that we run every file. Oh, through. Right. oh okay. Right. And so now like, we know. So yeah, so I'm sorry. So last year, you, you could kind of eyeball things. You know, hey, it's a 680, strong income, DTI is low. I'm fine. That's debt to income ratio. Debt to income ratio. My apologies. So then, um, you know, now it feels like conventional has made some tweaks to their qualification standards. Got a little bit tighter, you're saying? It's a little okay. bit tighter. So, you know, buyers that last year were able to go conventional this year may not qualify. Oh, really? So, Interesting. yeah. So I, I feel like we're kind of getting squeezed there. Um, and, and, you know, more people are having to go FHA because of that, you know, in the mid 600s. It just seems that conventional is kicking some of those buyers out. Have you had the same experience? Yeah, there's, you know, in fact, there's there's only certain products or, or, or maybe property types that sort of historically have required reserves, asset reserves. We're seeing all the time now where we're, we're running a file and we're not able to get an approval. We add, oh, hey, I forgot to add this 401k or whatever, some sort of asset. And all of a sudden, we get an approved eligible. And approved eligible is what we're looking for sure. when we run these files. So... There's a lot of files where they traditionally would be conventional that aren't always able to, to go conventional. So you might be able to say, hey, you're, you sort of your file ticks every box, but you're missing this one component. It used to be literally I, would, I almost never ran DU on files if they were clean conventional files I, until I had to. But now we always do it up front because we want to find out what our challenges are. proactive. Yep, it. and make sure that we're not running into issues down the road. And, and again, it's, it's sometimes there's a – I guess a Fannie Mae term that they use called a total scorecard. And I'm, I'm going to try to not get too deep into the weeds here. But so instead of just sort, sort of saying credit score, debt to income ratio, sort of all these little buckets, there's some sort of weird metrics they're using now that combines all those factors and gives you a decision. Like a golf score almost. Yeah. yeah. And it used cool. to be really easy. We would say, hey, you know, you meet this guideline, this guideline, this guideline. And now it's sometimes, even though all those boxes are checked, you're not getting an approval. So they've just tightened things up. Great, guys. Good, good. Well, when we come back, we'll hear about the value of a real estate agent in today's chaotic market. We're back with segment two, episode four, Twin Cities on the Move, the value of a real estate agent in today's busy real estate market. So we do it every day, Justin. I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, I don't know how long, but and you have too since before me. And, you know, it's being in the market selling houses is not something that just your average person does unless they're in this industry. So no, they're good point. They're usually doing it every maybe five years on average. Right. And it's hard to become an expert when you're only doing something once every five yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. We wear so many different hats, you know, from, from becoming a marketer. Then once we get a deal put together, once we get an offer, actually we become a negotiator and, and try to negotiate. We're not negotiating on our best interest. We're negotiating for our client's best interest for yeah. sure. You know, and exactly. that actually, can cost us money. We do do that on a daily basis. You know, we want to try Every to single save, day. Yeah, save yeah. your clients money. Do something to to find a way for, for your clients to, to benefit. That That's exactly right. That's where we earn a lot of our value to both sellers and buyers. It's that knowledge we've gained year in, year out, working every single day, mm -hmm. you know, 9, 10, 
12, 16 hours a day. This time of year, it's it's very common to work 90 hours a week, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's it's what we signed up for. It's not complaining. It's explaining to people yeah. what we do. Case in point, I mean, I had a home inspection here just yesterday, and everything went through just fine with the home inspection. Everything's good. But, you know, the appliances are pretty old, the the hot water heater, the furnace, the, the, the air conditioning. I just leaned against the counter and listened to everything in the kitchen, you know, in the home. And I said, well, let's just get them home warranty. There you go. I, you know, the, the client looked at me with a deer in the head and said, oh, oh what? <laughs> what is that? You know, and again, there, that hopefully with a little luck, we'll get, we'll, I'm sure we can wiggle a home warranty out of, you know, yeah. and get that in place. That hopefully can save him thousands of dollars if a furnace will go out or if an air conditioner will go out because that's what it's made to do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I hope I brought a little bit to the table. One of the things that, that I run into a lot is that I'll have a client that I get pre-approved for. And one of my first questions is, do you have somebody, you know, a realtor that you're working with? No, I don't. But there's a house that we looked at and we're just going to talk to that agent. Well, I always tell people, look, you need to have somebody representing you, you know, not the other way around. You know, if they're representing the sellers, not to say that that person has any kind of issue with, you know, I guess being honest or you know, integrity or anything like that, just by nature, they're representing the sellers, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is a perfect example. Would the seller's agent have said, hey, you're right. These are old. We should get a, <laughs> We should give you a warranty. Well, exactly. Yeah. I understand the idea that, oh, well, we went to the open house. There's the agent. We'll just work with them. We know we can figure this out. Well, yeah, to me, it's, you know, it matters. And, so, and speaking about that percentage, I mean, if let's say, let's just use actual numbers. Let's say a $200,000 house. You're talking about six grand there. Mm-hmm. If you can't save someone that amount or if you can't provide that amount of value, it would be very unusual because usually... You're saving them from either making a very huge mistake sometimes, saving someone from making a major mistake, or helping somebody realize an opportunity uh, is huge. It's way worth way more than that that small percentage that uh, No, absolutely. And then the peace of mind too. I mean, there's a lot that goes in after after the home inspection, as you're going working with your lender, with the the people that at the title company who put all the paperwork and do everything to close. As a buyer, that buyer can go off and do their job, and we're in the background kind of at this three-ring circus because so many cooks just jump in the kitchen as soon yeah. as you get a deal put together. They just do. They come out of nowhere, you know, and we, if something comes up, we seem to be the one that gets the phone call first. Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer can be off doing whatever they do during the day, and they're not going to get that phone call. They're not going to have to drop what they're doing usually. There will be things that inevitably yeah. go throughout the transaction that we will have to contact them for and, and just kind of keep them up to date with, and there might be some things that we have to, to work through. But we're there doing the legwork and the really the bulk of the work for that, and then we're just kind of you know keeping them posted. There's so many other so. things we do too. I mean, starting we mentioned the negotiating skills when mm-hmm. you're not just negotiating with other agents, but negotiating with sellers and buyers, your own clients. You've picked up that knowledge, and you're, you're able to use that when you're putting together an offer mm-hmm. or when you're responding to an offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that has saved my clients tons of, of money in the long run. They always say, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's a yeah. little bit of both for us, I think. Yeah. You know, like you said, it's the experience that's gained from doing this. But it's also having a stable of of people that you can count on and that you've worked with in the past. Um, 
I have the case in point, the same client with the home inspection. Um, I got a call from him on Mother's Day at four o'clock here, which was just a, just on a Sunday, just last Sunday. And he and his wife, he's an old, uh, a friend, and, and he and his wife, I knew they were looking for a house, but I didn't think they were very serious. Well, they went through a house on Mother's Day and they fell in love at the open house. And I was able to call a, a lender that I know was, was going to be solid. And at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day, the lender picked up the phone, got him pre-approved, and we wrote an offer, and off we went. Who and is this? Sounds Lola. like an awesome lender. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder who that lender was, right. Joel. Yeah. Yeah, that right. does sound like an yeah. excellent yeah. Uh, level of service. So, Sounds like one heck right? of a loan officer. But, I mean, but because of the relationship that I did have with Joel, um, you know, I'm able to text Joel. And Joel was able to, I said, you know, so and so, we have somebody here that's really interested in getting pre-approved. We got to get this done here. This is a hot little property, and and we did the, you know, we did the job. And then one other thing I wanted to just cover real quickly was these uh, auto valuations. Another thing that an agent can help you with is we've got the Zillow estimate, the Zestimate, if you would, and we've pretty much every every uh, major website has one. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty that those programs seem to struggle with is the amount of updating that's been made. Uh, stuff like uh, detached garage versus attached garage, above ground finished square footage versus below ground mm-hmm. finished square footage. An agent can walk you through that and explain why a particular property is worth this much more or this much less oh, in for certain, sure. certain conditions. For sure, for sure. And then just general knowledge of the neighborhood. We're the, well, yeah. we're the guys with the boots on the ground. Yeah, it, locally, yeah. too. It's not some national number. Hey, no. uh, home prices went up 10% right. nationwide. Well, what does that tell us about no. uh, the, you know, yeah, the no. Victory neighborhood in North Minneapolis exactly. or Edina or Eden Prairie? You know? Exactly, exactly, yes. And it, the Twin Cities are so segmented. Yeah, I mean, it's block to block in some neighborhoods from one. Yeah, the values know, just jump all over the place. Place. Yep, for yep. sure, for sure. Just one thing I wanted to add that I notice is, you know, sometimes when my people select a realtor on their own, uh, you can really tell if they're good at what they do or inexperienced by the offers that go in. Sometimes you hear about the offer and you're like, wow, that you, in your mind you feel like that has no shot, you know, because it almost feels like the buyer's directing the realtor. You know, whenever I see that, it's a red flag for me because I'm like, oh, geez, it's, it's going to be tough to get an offer accepted. And then even just when I go to closings, sometimes you just listen to the realtor's talk. And literally at my last closing, the realtor told the other realtor, I had better offers on the table, but I accepted yours because I know your buyers perform. And, wow. and they just that, had that relationship. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's huge. big, too. It's you know, huge. Yeah. If you have a good relationship as yeah. a realtor and in your known, you know, yeah. your, your deals don't go off the tracks, that means something. This is all really great information because I think most people, and you guys have probably heard it, with the Internet, they think, why do I need an agent? Yeah. You know, they, they great kind of, point. You know I, all the information is out there. But, again, it's, it's about, you know, protecting your interests, you know, and, and making sure you have somebody, I think, that's, that's not only willing but knowledgeable enough and capable enough to do so. Yeah, anybody can find a property. It's the, the yeah. true value is in that knowledge that we bring to the table and that that expertise. Yeah, we're not the we're not the gatekeepers anymore. <laughs> no. of, the, of the we're not the guardians of the information. But therefore, we need to as as realtors. I I personally love it because then our yeah, value is it's, it's it really is shown now as to what we can do and. 
how our representation can actually be a big benefit to all of our clients. Absolutely. So, see, Justin, we do matter. <laughs> <laughs> I like realtors. It was never in doubt. <laughs> it never was. Never was. Coming up, uh, next segment, if your credit is not so sparkling, uh, the mortgage guys, uh, Greg and Joel, have a couple ideas for you to get you on track and get you on your way to owning your own home. That's next. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, in this last segment today of Twin Cities on the Move, episode number four. We're going to talk a little bit about credit repair. If your credit is not as perfect as you would like it to be, there are a lot of things that can be done to improve it. Just little tips, little tricks, and really a lot of things that I'm just starting to learn about that can happen fairly quickly in order to get your credit repaired, especially if your goal is to get yourself pre-approved for a mortgage and to start to look around for, for your next home. And Joel, Greg, what do you guys see in the market? What do you guys have as far as resources for this? So I think kind of piggybacking off our first segment where we talked a little bit about the differences between FHA financing and conventional financing. And while good credit, bad credit isn't the only thing, um, it is a component. So mm-hmm. where FHA, like I mentioned, you know, uh, lower credit scores, lower or higher debt-to-income ratios, there are things you can do to impact your credit score. And the average consumer doesn't really know what they need to do to have an impact on the score. So one of the things that, that, that I run into a lot as a borrower that's really close to qualifying, but maybe their score isn't quite there, they don't have enough credit or, or whatever it might be. So what I want to talk about briefly, Greg and I, the company we work for, True Stone Home Mortgage, we have a credit reporting vendor that we use to pull credit. Now, we pull what's called the Tri-Merge Credit Report. It's going to have all the three major credit reporting agencies merged into one report. So we have some tools with that vendor that will allow us to actually sort of look into the crystal ball a little bit and find out, you know, what sort of things can you do to impact your credit to improve a score. Now, just sort of on the surface, the two easiest ways we can do that, we have a, a what-if simulator where I can actually look at your, your credit report and all the debts that are on there. Say a borrower comes to me and they say, well, you know, we actually paid that card off already. But organically, that might take 45 or 60 days to – to mm-hmm. show up on the credit report, I can then go in to my little what-if simulator and say, okay, this balance is actually now $100, not $1,200, and it'll tell me what impact that has on the score. So maybe oh, that's the, awesome. So maybe the scores go from 618 to 635. Yeah. You know, now you've got a much easier approval, or in some cases, an approval versus you know, denial. Mm. Um, the other basic tool we have is uh, it's a tool called Wayfinder. So same borrower, let's say they've got a 615 credit score. Um, but we're looking to improve that. I've got little different little thresholds I can go in there and say, okay, what does this exact individual on this credit report have to do to, to improve that score to a 650? And it'll literally run an analysis and tell me sometimes it'll be it, – it's super detailed too. Yeah, say, that's really cool. Pay down this card from 800 to 625 or then pay this one down to 112. It gives me really, really specific results. What I can do then is I can present that to the, the client and say – these are the actions you need to take to get this score to qualify for this product or whatever it is we're looking to do. They then go do that. I then get updated statements or in most cases we're between statement cycles. So I'm getting, they're going on websites and giving me screenshots, but I can then take that information to our vendor. Even before the actual credit yep. report So the updates? credit report hasn't updated wow. yet. That's awesome. They bring that information to me. My vendor then takes, the, takes like, for example, a, 
uh, a statement showing a, a card's been paid down. Mm-hmm. They contact all three of the bureaus, have those accounts updated, which then increases the score. Nice. Will they update that then instantly? Yep. So I'll, s- I'll send them. I'll send them a report or a form where I've got all the changes I want them to make. They'll contact the bureaus. They'll update those accounts, and then they'll update the scores on all. Three and that's of the just bureaus. a day or two. That's just. It's, it's about a, a week. It's about so a week. So the day that okay. I submit that that request, it's about a week. But that's. We get a I new thought that that'd be like for yeah. 45, 90 days, something yep. like that, at least. Yeah. If I come to you and I have a, a say, I have a six ten, six fifteen credit score. How's and I want to go buy a house today, and we have to go through this process. And I'm diligent, and I'm going to be disciplined, and I'm going to, you know, do what you say. What if I was that type of a of a buyer? What would be my the average time frame for a guy like me then to actually be able to start to go shop? Within probably seven to ten days, assuming you have assuming I have the, the funds f- available to do what we would need you to do strategically mm-hmm. to check those boxes. And, and pay down balances, you know, to right. a certain amount. And, and really every profile is different. Mm-hmm. You might be the 610 where we can get an exception because maybe you went through a divorce and because oh. of that, your scores went down and we can show that there was mm-hmm. extenuating circumstances. Your income's strong. You've been at your job for 10 years. You have 200000 in your 401k. You're not as much of a risk. And there's a reason why you're at a 610. You can tell right away, like Joel said, you give someone a list. If they're responsive and they get back to you within a few days that they've paid these things down, you know they're serious and, mm-hmm. and you can help that type of person. But then you also give other people that list and you never hear <laughs> from them again. I've had, I can tell you I've done, I mean, I've done, God, I don't know if I want to say hundreds of these, but I've done a lot. And almost every single one I've done has hit the, the you know, the, they, they estimate the score. They say it's a... You know, and ask me what the score will increase to. It almost always works. I've had a couple where it's gotten almost to that point, but not quite. But usually, it's because they went out and charged something on another. You know, they mm-hmm. did something bought derogatory, or yeah, they bought a house. <laughs> yeah, shame on them, right? But it's very interesting that this is just even available and out there. I, for one, had no idea. You know, so I guess the bottom line is really if you if. If you're interested in improving your score, if you're interested in that, look into this for sure. Don't you know? It's don't stick your head in the sand and just say I can't. I'm not able to buy a house. This isn't going to work out for me. It might not happen today, but it sounds to me like it's just it's a, a much shorter time period than and, and most, most people, people are shocked think. when they learn that they think, hey, it used to be, hey, your your, your credit's rough. You know, work on that and call me in six months. Let's right. see where we're at. And now, you know, and that's where probably most people think they're are they're at still. Like, I, I need to spend the next six to 12 months repairing my credit before I can even apply for a loan. Give mm-hmm. me a call. 612-327-9092. True Stone Home Mortgage. Give me a call. I'll find out if you qualify. We'll find out what we can do to make sure you, you, you have some buying power. That's great. No, that's great information to have. So... Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening today. It's episode number four, once again, of the internationally heard Twin Cities on the Move. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button on whatever service you found us on. That'll keep you up to date with all our new episodes. And if you have a question for us to answer on a future podcast, don't hesitate to give us a buzz and leave us a message. The phone number is 612-352-9177. We'll do our best to try to answer. Again, give us a buzz, 612-352-9177. Thanks for listening. 
This has been Twin Cities on the Move, a real estate and mortgage podcast. Paul St. Andrew and Justin Sheeler are licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Results. You can find Paul online at minnesotahomesales.com and Justin at justinsheeler.com with Sheeler spelled S-C-H-E-E-L-E-R. Joel Benson and Greg Rios are mortgage consultants with Truestone Home Mortgage, a division of Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union. And they can be found online at truestonehomemortgage.com slash joel hyphen benson and truestonehomemortgage.com slash greg hyphen rios. Truestone is spelled T-R-U-S-T-O-N-E and rios is spelled R-I-O-S. Truestone Home Mortgage and Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union are not affiliated with Remax or Remax Results. This show has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individual participants and may not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Remax Results, Truestone Home Mortgage, Truestone Financial Federal Credit Union, or Minnesota Podcasting. 